Welcome to Alternative Dog Moms Podcast. I'm Kimberly Gautier, the creator of Keep the Tail Wagging. For the past nine years, I've been blogging about raw feeding, pet wellness, and life as a crazy dog mom. I've seen massive improvements in my dog's health since I started raising my dogs naturally, and I'm passionate about sharing my experience to help other pet parents. I'm Erin Scott. For the past nine years, I've been researching and learning everything I can about healing cancer, allergies, autoimmune, and mystery illnesses in both my dogs and myself, and I can't wait to share with you everything I've learned on this journey. As the Alternative Dog Moms, we're bringing you all the latest dog health news that we're following and sharing the tips, tricks, and resources we learn along the way. Now, let's get started. Hello, Erin. So we are joined today by Shannon Cutts. Hello, Shannon. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Well, it's so wonderful to have you here. Yeah. Oh, it's so delightful to be here. Just thrilled. This is our my favorite topic of conversation. <laughs> really, really looking forward to it. So Shannon is an animal communicator, a Reiki practitioner. She has podcasts, courses, works with clients one-on-one, and we're really excited to to dive into specifically how animal communication can help you with your pet's health. But do you want to just start and just give us a little bit of background of how you got started doing this? Oh, wow. Now that's a story. See, I am in my fifth decade of life and I once upon a time was one of those one of those human animals who thought that animal communication was kind of like one of those lottery gifts that you win, you know, you come right out of the chute so to speak and you've got the voice, you've got the math skills, or you've got the acting talent or you've got whatever it is and there's no changing, there's no adding on, there's no app that you can install, uh, download and install that will allow you to um, enhance what you got when you were born. And the truth is, is that I used to be the one that hired animal communicators and would just wait with bated breath. Erin, you and I talked about that a little bit um, when we chatted on your podcast last and, you know, just was so eager and concerned to hear what my animals thought of their food and their enclosures and their activities, you know, was I doing a good job as an animal guardian, as a pet parent? And somewhere along the line, an animal communicator that I worked with regularly said to me, you know, you can do this. And that was the first time anyone had ever kind of broken through that that um, that stumbling block or that mind block that I had, that this was something that I could develop, that I too was an animal, that I have the inner capabilities that every other animal has. And so slowly but surely, it took me a few years because I was doing other things at the time. And I you know, I just, I didn't trust myself. And that's such a big deal with, with us as, as pet parents is we don't we don't come into this journey known as modern day pet parenting with that inbuilt sense of self trust and so we we always think we need somebody else on the outside to help us through the challenges and the the um, the situations that crop up and so in the interim I started a 
what became a rather popular pet blog called Love and Feathers and Shells. And a hallmark of this blog was these back and forth conversations that I had with my animals. And one day I was chatting with my longtime soul bird, Pearl, and all of a sudden I realized, I don't think I'm making up his end of the conversation. I think this is really happening. And long story short, that triggered the memory of the animal communicator that I worked with telling me that I could do this. Not long after that, I've been meditating since I was 19. I have a practice of meditating in the morning and asking for guidance for the day. And I heard a little inner voice say, you are an animal sensitive and intuitive. One thing led to another. I talked with my intuitive coach, Sonia Choquette, and she said, oh, animal communication, that would be a brilliant career path for you. And here we come back full circle. And it and, and then she said something that just transformed my trajectory completely. She said, what are you waiting for? You should already be in classes. Your soul will teach you and the animals are waiting to talk with you. And I got, I received so much courage from that and from my own internal confirmation and from the animal communicators faith that I too could do this, that there was no turning back and animal love languages was born. And so today I am privileged to help others take their first steps. And if I'm lucky to maybe be that person that says to someone who's never considered it before, you know, you can do this. So that's my story in a nutshell. (laughs) So what exactly is the process? Because I've always been curious about that. You know, when it, in this digital world where there are, you know, a lot of people that call themselves animal communicators and part of me always wondered, especially since I have a blog and all of my information is on my blog, how many people who reach out to me and offer their service, you know, like in exchange for me writing about them, just basically read a few social media posts and blog posts and kind of got the feel of who I was and then gave me the message that I want to hear. Hmm. That's an interest. That's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. So how does it, how does it actually work? And then I guess later on we can go into how do we determine if we're being scammed or not, because I've noticed a real growing trend, especially on TikTok, of all of these fake um, like empaths and psychics and animal communicators. And, you know, I get these random messages from strangers that are like, I saw something in you and I would love to give you a reading. And one of them, I was just like, no, I'm good. And one of them was like, well, then can I have $10 for gas money? And it's just like, no, no, you can't. So we can talk about that later. But Shannon just looks horrified. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yet another reason why I'm glad we're not recording the video. Oh (laughs) oh my goodness. Oh, Kimberly. So that's a red flag right there. (laughs) The thing is, is that, you know, just like, and I'm going to use an analogy that may feel out of place, but um, I, I, uh, at one time kept company with a partner who was very into uh, MMA mixed martial arts. And so I, I, I watched quite a bit of it and it's actually quite fascinating. In many cases, once the fighter begins to really build up their skill, they become more and more reserved about actually using it because they know their own strength. 
they know the impact that they can have on someone's life. And so this would be a person that when confronted would actually say, Hey man, you don't want to do this. Like, let me, let me find another way. And so somebody reaching out to you unsolicited offering insights about you, about your animals, that that's someone that is, as you said, you know, dabbling in the shallow ends, um, looking for a quick buck, maybe needs, you know, some gas money or a payback, you know, <laughs> and, and there's a big problem on Instagram too, with folks that kind of troll for, for the unsuspecting. And it's happened to some of my people where fake profiles, and it's just a learning curve that you go through. The true intuitive takes this work, this relationship building work, this heart healing, soul connecting work um, with humble seriousness. And it's a big part of the journey to feel what feels authentic to you. What's the energy of this person? And I, I could hear it when you were talking about the, the gas money. You can feel that energy. You can, it feels yucky. It feels like yeah. you want to go take a shower. It feels yes. like your dog just rolled in something stinky, you know? <laughs> and so the process, uh, just to start with, is to share the intuitive shares who they are and what they have to offer. And then there's that trust that the pet parent will seek out the information that they're looking for and, and, and they will resonate because yes, there are as many scammers as there are out there. There are also quite a number of authentic animal communicators. I've interviewed many of them on my own podcast. Let's talk to animals. And it's that that's part of the reason that I started that podcast is to elevate the fine art, the ancient fine art of intuitive two way communication. This is a birthright gift that we all share. And those of us who take the time to cultivate it, first and foremost, it's a selfish practice because it betters our lives in every way. I feel like I know myself better. I have better relationships with the people that I love that are already in my life and the animals that I love that are already in my life. I don't, I don't want to or need to use it in a way that would make me think that, you know, somebody just rolled in something stinky. (laughs) We just, and so, you know, in your question, there's a couple different uh, components. And the first is that, you know, that's kind of like the first litmus test or your first big challenge, if you will, on the path towards unfolding your own intuition is to check in with yourself. Does this feel good? Does this feel icky? How did this person find me? Um, why are they acting like they know something about me that I don't know? Because your intuition will confirm, yes, there's something for me here. There's something that I can learn. Maybe there's some, a blind spot that I have, or this is just somebody that's kind of um, drinking their own Kool-Aid, <laughs> so to speak. And the other piece is understanding, you know, what what does it mean to communicate intuitively and here I'm going to go back to a really old school analogy and um, it probably may be something that you heard in your speech classes or in your psychology, intro to psychology classes. 
maybe sociology classes about how human animals communicate with one another. And perhaps you heard maybe one of your, your teachers, your professor said, you know, 10% of communication is verbal and the other 90% is nonverbal. So when we communicate intuitively, whether it's with another human animal or it's with an animal of a different species, we're, we're activating and tapping into and amplifying that 90%. It's a sensory communication. It's a felt communication. It's a communication that relies on, and on, I know it's going to sound odd to say, but trusts the imagination as a gateway to creativity to allow us to use our ordinary physical senses at their higher levels. So we've got our physical eyes and then we've got our intuitive eyes. Um, we've got our physical ears, our intuitive ears. We've got our physical nose and our intuitive olfactory passages. And we've got our, our, our fight, flight, freeze, tender, befriend survival system that, believe it or not, plays a big part in how intuitive two-way communication works. And here I'll give you an example of one of those National Geographic specials, what I used to call the, the cheetah channel, where you know it, it, it seemed like no matter when I turned the television on, it was always that moment when the cheetah was going after the gazelle. <laughs> but you know, you see these, you see these animals at in the desert, and there's like one watering hole and everyone needs to drink water. And I used to, even as a little, little girl, I would sit there watching these channels and thinking to myself, how do the gazelles know when it's safe to drink and when they need to steer, steer clear, you know? And, and so you would see maybe the lion pride on one side, and then you would see the, you know, the pronghorn approaching on the other side and everyone's sniffing the air. Maybe the lions are just kind of sleeping and the pronghorn are like, okay, let's go. We're going to drink. And it's all very peaceful until it's not. And there's this moment when the pronghorns start to kind of perk up their ears and their tails start to flap and something has shifted. And again, it's that energy. It's the same energy that goes, hmm, somebody just texted me saying they know all my deep, dark secrets and they're willing to... Um, share it for, you know, for 10 bucks, <laughs> whatever it is, the pronghorn have sense to change in the energy. And all of a sudden news travels fast because there's, they can feel each other's energy shifting and suddenly they all bolt and run. And, you know, the poor guy that's not, or gal that's not paying attention, they're probably going to be lunch. And so there's so many that's why I often like in learning intuitive animal communication to just all of a sudden discovering all kinds of bells and whistles, all kinds of apps and software installed in my operating system that nobody bothered to tell me was there. And it's because it's complicated, right? Just staying alive is complicated. There's so much stuff just on our iPhones that we probably will never know is there. So somebody that it, it takes what, what I do with the humble seriousness that it needs and deserves will take time with you. They'll take time to walk you through what to expect, to give you time to ask questions, to help, help, you, help you get set up for success in, in your session itself, 
to guide you to think about some questions that you want to ask, to take the time, if you don't understand your animal's responses, to ask additional questions, to gather more information with the ultimate goal of helping you make progress in issues that you're facing and feel closer. Does that make sense? It does. Completely different vibe. Well, all of that makes so much sense because it just like taking, you know, the animal communication out of it, you know, how many times has someone just given us a really weird vibe? Like I need to, I need to get out of this space right now. I I was thinking while you were talking, um, I was at the grocery store. This is sometime this year, but I can't remember when I was at the grocery store and I'm checking out and a man comes in furious and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And I just basically pulled things to me and I was about to walk out the door without my groceries, without everything. I was about to walk out my door. And the woman at the register noticed this and was just like, it's okay. He's mad at his daughter. She's not supposed to be here. He's looking for her. And I was just sort of like, then he shouldn't come in here doing that because that is scary. Yeah. But it's like he, his energy was so just angry and negative that I, my initial instinct was just to get as far away from him as possible. I wasn't thinking about what, why I didn't care. I wanted him gone. And so it's, it's interesting that you're, the things that you're saying, you know, when you were like the, um, the software, no one told us about, and it was probably software that we use regularly two, 3000 years ago, but today in this very, you know, um, I don't know what the word is, but we don't do anything like what we used to do. We don't eat the way we used to do. I mean, everything is a world of convenience and we've become so lazy, both physically, mentally. Um, so it's no wonder that we can't tap in to those type of things easily because it just never even occurs to us that it's possible. You know what I was thinking about? <laughs> this is going to sound funny. Um, <laughs> So, you know, when I was a teenager, I was somebody who dated, I I kissed a lot of frogs, let's say. And, you know, I was fortunate in some ways that I worked a job in the mall back when there were malls and people went to them. And I would get to meet, I worked in the music store, so I met a lot of guys that were my age buying CDs and things. And I had a great time getting to date people you know and there was like a vibe right like you would meet somebody and you like oh there's a vibe here even when I met my husband you know like there's a vibe here and I feel bad for people today who are like on a tinder app I've never used any of these apps or anything and you're just trying to go off this flat screen and you don't you have to like it's like a whole ordeal then to go meet them in person and like see if anything's there. Or I've heard of friends who they have like this great interaction with somebody on like this app, but then they meet them in person and it was like, Oh, there was no chemistry or something. And so I I think of like that vibe that you get, you know, when you're dating or flirting or meeting someone, you know, that that's like something that always, that's a big uh, metaphor for me on all of this. (laughs) We had a lot of practice back in the day. (laughs) It's funny because I wonder how many of us, because something that you said in the beginning, Shannon, was that maybe this isn't 
just me making up a conversation. Maybe I'm really am having a conversation. And I had this thought a while ago that we're all talking to our animals because I've never once worked with an animal communicator and was surprised by what they told me because I knew And it was just because I talk, I mean, now I work from home. So I'm talking to my dogs all day long. I know my dogs so very well. Um, I like to better understand certain canine behaviors, but I, I know each one of my dogs. I know their personalities. I know what they can and cannot do. I know what they do and do not like. But I think that for me, at least, the idea of working with an animal communicator is not so much so that I could have a better understanding of my animals because I understand them very well. It's like the little things. Like, you know, what do they, what you were saying, like, do you like your food? What do you think about this? What are, you know, and it's, it's kind of like having a conversation with a human and it's just like, what do you think? Should I, you know, less salt next time? What are you thinking? (laughs) Absolutely. And one of the one of the functions of an animal communicator, at least the way that I view the job description, is to help you deepen your trust in your own pet parent intuition. You know, because there are there are times when we know we need a, a second opinion. Mm-hmm. We know we're too close to a situation, or we know that we're overwhelmed, or maybe even a little crunchy fried burned out and we we need some support and it's it's a good idea in those in those situations to bring bring in someone who doesn't have the whole history you know yes. that's that's the goal and sometimes the information you know, may be very much similar to what you're already kind of along the lines of what you're already thinking, feeling, what you feel like you know. Sometimes the information may be different. Either different either way, you're more open to it because you've made an investment. You've made an investment, and that's I want to just go back to um, your comment about the ten dollars for gas uh, because there's also you are making an investment. I mean, I've spent thousands of dollars in training with some of the premier animal communicator animal communicators in the country in the world and you know, so much of my free time I did a hundred case studies before I ever charged a dime for my services and so you, you're making an investment of your time you're making an investment of your trust you're making an investment in your own pet parent education you're making a financial investment and so the openness, and the, the uh, beginner's mind that we bring into these kinds of situations where we're genuinely eager and open to learn something new, if that's what's presented. I often encourage my students to, you know, can we just forget about species for a moment? Just, for, just forget all about it because it doesn't matter nearly as much as we think. We all share the same basic pathways and even biologically, especially biologically, because it's kind of all built from the ground up in this earth plane that we're sharing together. And a really great book about that is uh, Your Inner Fish by Dr. Neil Shubin. And he talks about how even all of the physical structures in the human form 
if we dig down far enough, we can find compliments in almost every other living species, alive and dead, so to speak. And so there's so much, there's so much evidence on whether we're looking for it scientifically or whether we're feeling for it inside, you know, like, like the, the creepy guy's energy or, um, you know, we're at a party and we just feel it's, there's somebody staring at us and there's some part of us that, that just says, turn around and you'll see what I mean. And you do. And the, lo and behold, someone's staring at you. That's part of that system, Kimberly, that you're talking about. We really just don't use it consciously, mm-hmm. but it's nobody, we didn't go in and turn the switch off. Most of us have in any way. Uh, you know, one of the things that, about the animal communication, uh, you know, in the no woo era that we're all kind of recovering from right now, just say no to the woo. It's like the woo is cool. The woo is the only thing that's going to argue with your rational, analytical, left brain mind. So I like the woo. I feel like the woo is my devil's advocate and I embrace the woo. But we come out of we come out of that era and and we, we're kind of recovering from the big booming voice from the sky mentality. Like, well animal if it doesn't give me some kind of, you know, big aha moment or some, you know, life altering bombshell that I wasn't expecting that it's not valid. And the truth is, is that we and our animal community, animal companions are, we're sharing life together day in and day out. And chances are very good that we're going to have very similar perspectives and that we are, we do know one another far better than we, than we assume. And so some, some of the work that I do is really, in fact, a lot of the work that I do and one of the most uh, commonly heard phrases in my in my line of work anyway is I knew they were going to say that. <laughs> oh really? Uh, see, I love it when one of my clients says that. I'm like, oh really? Tell me more about that. How did you know? Where did you feel it? What part of you knew? Why did you know that? Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about that because whenever we desire and embark on the journey to develop our relationship with someone else, regardless of species, we're also signing up to deepen our relationship with ourself, to get to know ourself better, to get to, to realize that we are far more capable, far wiser than we give ourselves credit for. It's about, you know, when we're, when we're stuck in these lower echelons of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we're like, oh, food, all shelter, all safety, you know, our fight, flight, freeze, tender, befriend system is in the driver's seat all by itself. And its motto is, what's the worst that can happen? Let's make sure it doesn't. When we start to evolve, you know, in this kind of transitional, well, maybe some woo stage that we're in right now, we're not full on like, woo is great. Give me it, give me more. But we're, we're, you know, we're starting to come out of, of the, the dungeon of rational analytical thought and giving some credit to these other aspects of ourself. And so if this, at this stage in our journey, our fight, flight, freeze system gets a sidekick, a co-pilot, and, and, and that gives us access to these higher echelons and ultimately to you know, self-actualization. And the, the mantra shifts to what's the best that could happen. Let's find out. You know, uh, Einstein once uh, once famously said that 
creativity in the end, creativity and imagination is actually more important than science because imagination, creativity is what triggers science. It's what creates hypotheses. It's what gives us the discipline and the determination to test them out because that part could be rigorous and rather dry, <laughs> to be quite honest. And, and truthfully, scientists in their own way are also searching for miracles, Einstein said, you know, there's really only two ways to live. One way is if nothing is a miracle, and the other way is as if everything is a miracle. I know which one I prefer. Scientists are looking for miracles just like all the rest of us. And so, we're, again, we're more alike than different. It's just a matter of kind of switching the script, saying, well, you know what, what is, what's the best that could happen? Maybe animal communication is real. Maybe I can do it too. Maybe it's already happening. So what does it feel like to you? Because some people say that animals communicate in pictures. Some people hear an actual voice. Um, Some people, it's just a feeling or a knowing. What's it like for you? So I, and and I want to, that's such an incredible question. Thank you so much. Because there, there are no pathways that are off limits. So we, the animal can communicate in whatever way, um, in, in any of those ways, because they're, they're the master here. We're the one in the foreign country bumbling around with the translator app, you know, <laughs> hoping to land on something that makes sense. So the animal has no limits in how they can communicate the message. It's, it's on us, the communicators, to open all of our pathways. And this is often, especially someone that's a little bit newer on the path might say, well, I primarily receive information in images. Or I primarily receive information through deep gut knowings, which is where I started. In fact, I thought I, like, I was like the, the, the D minus student in the class because deep gut knowings come in and these little like pre-made packages and they come in really quickly and you just know something that you didn't know before. And so I didn't think I was getting anything. And I worked with a mentor, one of my teacher's students who was, who was TAing her class. And she actually helped. She was like, wait, stop, stop, stop with the mind, mind stuff. Tell me what you already know. And so from there, I was able to start developing images and feelings. I tend to get a lot of physical sensations in my body, which can be somewhat uncomfortable, especially if the animal's suffering from gastric distress. But that's because I am also someone who has a background. I had an, a really serious battle with an eating disorder for 20 years. I, I just... I'm very in tune with my body. So that pathway is incredibly open for me. Maybe somebody else who hasn't had those health challenges, maybe they wouldn't be so sensitive in that area and they would have to work more to develop it. So the, the, the cool thing is that because the animals, when I, I always teach my students that animals will communicate at any means by any means necessary and only if necessary, will they resort to words. <laughs> and what happens, see what happens at some point, all communication is going to um, resolve into words. Why? Because the information needs to be shareable. If I can't somehow receive the animal's information and translate it into words, then I can't share it with you, the animal's person. And the information is it's not wasted. I mean, at least the animal got to vent, right? Or whatever, just share with someone, but it's not usable. 
And so this is this is a real big stumbling stumbling block for many, especially new and aspiring communicators, is they don't understand that when the left brain mind kicks in, the information's already been received and now it's being decoded and translated so that it can be shared. And so I teach my students, if your mind's going, you've already gotten something, let's back the truck up for a minute and see where did it come in? What pathway did it use? What were you feeling? What were you what were you smelling? What were you sensing? Uh, another thing that happens, especially to newbie communicators, that can be really frustrating is they're talking, they're trying to talk to talk with an animal, and it feels like their mind has taken them off on a tangent. Like all of a sudden they're thinking about what they ate for dinner last night, or the fact that they haven't spoken to their brother in a year, or you know, what is that brown gooey substance in the corner of the of the of the room over there, and and which of the cats is responsible? And Instead of recognizing this as a part of the conversation and all of the rich sensory data that's coming in, seeing, hearing, smelling, there's so much data coming in. They're like, they think that their mind is betraying them or they think that they're not focused and disciplined enough and they'll never, they'll never get it right. And instead it's like, they've just gotten a whole bunch of information from the animal and it's our job as communicators to take that information and go back and forth with the animal until we understand what they're trying to share. Mm-hmm. And then we decode it, we translate it into words, and we can communicate it to the animal's person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So do you think it's something that anybody who is so inclined can learn? Or are there some people who are like, maybe it comes more naturally to or... Or what do you think about that? I do think there are there are folks out there um, that are naturally more open to it. I find that uh, there's a subset of the population, any animal species, including our own, that's highly sensitive, that's naturally empathic, and we we're just wired to be more aware of the unsaid, but but still easily accessible if you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, so to speak. I don't believe that this gift, this skill, this inborn innate app is off limits to anyone because we, we, we're, we've all got the same basic wiring. I do think that there are some folks who perceive it as a threat and maybe have a block uh, maybe it's because of how they were raised. Maybe it's because of their religious beliefs. Maybe it's because they had a bad experience with someone who was claiming to be, or maybe even innocently believing themselves to be psychic or empathic. I think there's a reality TV perhaps doesn't do us any favors here um, in sensationalizing the extremes of what we do. But the truth is, is that we have, these senses are operating on our behalf 24 seven, and especially during our waking hours that the same sense that tells you, you know, don't take the bus today, drive or walk or the same vibe that says, you know, he, he looked or he or she looked good on paper, but in person, oh, this is a no go. The same sense that, that Kimberly sent 
you know, sent you running before you even maybe had time to think about it, your feet were moving, you know, that's, we can't shut that off completely. And so it's, it's there, but we have a lot of choices and we have limited hours. That's just the nasty nature of, of this, this earth plane. And so it's, it's to anyone's benefit, everyone's benefit to spend a little bit of time exploring this skill because it's, it's never going to do anything but uh, bloom and bring, bring at the very least a little bit of an early warning system you know, amplification into your life, you know, okay, that maybe this isn't the right job, or maybe this isn't the right partner, or maybe, maybe this is, and I, this is time to not be so afraid and to, to, you know, bring on a little bit more of my own brave. And so it's never going to be wasted, but everyone has to decide, you know, where to spend, where do, where do you want to spend your time? Where, where do you feel called? That's part of the intuitive journey too, whether it's directly through studying animal communication or it's simply becoming more aware, like listening to this podcast episode, just following along with, with you and, and learning and ultimately caring. I call it the empathy channel, you know, the, the walk a mile in your in your shoes or paws or claws channel. We, we can all tune into it. And there are many, many, many more animal communicators that are coming through formal schools that are really studying and spending time. This is the way that this is the, the old way made new in the past before everything, there were so many of us and, and life was moving so fast and there was so much information in the, in the old way, it would be one student and their mentor or their teacher or their guide or their mentor. Now we have, you know, one teacher and 20 students or 30 students or a hundred students. And yet it's, it, it's still the way. You know, we apprentice ourselves to life. We apprentice ourselves to love. We apprentice ourselves to empathy. We apprentice ourselves to the discipline of honoring and taking seriously that which we are embarking on and the impact, the potential impact. Like we started this, this chat talking about the impact that we can have on each other's lives and taking that seriously. Yeah. And So while there are those who just, they're just born kind of like the 13 year olds on the voice or Britain's got talent that just, they sound like Etta James or, you know, Louis Armstrong and they're, you know, 13 years old and that's a whole nother conversation. But so there are some folks that just kind of come right out of the shoot and they are just open. It's like all channels are on volume 10 Mm -hmm. and and yet for most of us, it's a gradual awakening. And wherever you find yourself, it's always a good time to start amplifying, to start turning the volume up. It's just going to serve you and all those you love and all those who love you for the highest and best good. So what's a common thing that pets want their owners to know? Well, one thing they really want their owners to know is... Uh, that they don't need to worry so much. It's okay to just that. That's the the fight, flight, freeze, tender, befriend system with nothing to do. 
Because as you said, Kimberly, we just live these kind of in um, whitewashed lives. We just aren't using the, our, our system for weed. And we're not worried about cougars, you know, anymore. Maybe we should be. Uh, maybe it's a different, another, yet again, maybe yet another. You're right about that. So we like, we create dangers so that we can have something to react to. We see this all over the place within society of people who, you know, you sometimes want to say, yeah, that's not, you know, like, what do they call it? First world problems. First world problems. Yes. That's not something to be so upset about. (laughs) It's not a hill you want to die on right there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing is that's, it's also kind of misplaced love, you know, instead of just being with, with our companion animals, we want to do for them. Am I doing enough? It's like, Mm -hmm. just sit down and spend some time with me. Yeah. Just sit down and keep company with me for five minutes, for 10 minutes. Drop out of your mind and into your body. And you'll feel that there's nothing to worry about. Now, sometimes sometimes there is something to worry about. And in those cases, the animals are always extremely grateful for the opportunity to, to share what life feels like for them. And, and what is working and what is not a, a very common reason why human animal guardians will come to me wanting a session is because their animal is facing a big surgery or they're going beginning their end of life transition process. And they want to know what does their animal want? Do they want another surgery? Do they want cancer treatment? Do they want whatever it is? Or, you know, do they what do they, what do they want? Are they ready to go? Um, you know, and then this, this is a, this is a time when the, I, I see it. I see the courage that the human guardian has to say, wow, I really want this animal to live forever. I want to do the surgery. I want to do, but my animal says no. And so the animals really want their humans to listen mm-hmm. and, and to feel for the truth and, you know, to, to, and, and to know that. And the other thing that pets really want their humans to know is that our animals see us. They know who we are. They know all the gritty little things that even other humans don't know about us. And none of that takes away in any iota from their sense of who we are in our spirit. Like they love us unconditionally for, all that we are. And that's, that, that's real love. When, when you look into someone else and you say, yeah, I see you're struggling here or there. And I see that you have some, you know, some self-imposed limitations. And I see that you've got some old trauma. That's all stuff that's going on in your life, but that's not who you are. I see who you are. And that's who I love. And that's, that's really powerful. It can be something that's so difficult to accept that we'll just keep worrying to avoid it because it's really uncomfortable to meet ourselves as a being of wonder. Like I actually am amazing and my animal loves me unconditionally. Like sit with that for five minutes and see how it feels like 30 or, you know, a a 24 hour meditation. It's just, it can feel really uncomfortable. You know, um, and the other thing that animals, there's a lot that animals, I'm just kind of like 
hearing from my animal guides right now. What do they want me to talk about? The other thing is that, um, one other thing is that animals always have a reason for why they are the way that they are and why they do the things that they do or don't do. To us, it'd be like, oh, why are you like that? And trust me, I am not here to preach at anybody. I, I, I might, our dachshund, <laughs> dachshunds are notoriously stubborn. And, you know, so he, he can drive me mad in five minutes. You know, it's a very humbling thing to go into the, into a profession and animal communication and then confront your ongoing issues um, with your own animal family. But they're not random. It's And it's not, their reason is almost never just to piss us off. Yeah. You know, I mean, occasionally that will creep in, you know, or it's just fun for them, but it's like, there's always a reason and it's always a good one. Yeah. So it's about taking our human glasses off and putting on the, as best we can using that empathy channel, putting on the glasses of our animal. If we were them, why would that behavior or a symptom or whatever it is that we're observing why would that make sense? Why would that actually be the perfect thing? Perfect way to express yourself. And just giving them that, that respect, saying this isn't random. This isn't something that if I just hire another trainer or change your diet yet again or take you to a different veterinarian, that we're just going to erase that out of your personality or your temperament, mm-hmm. whether it's because of, of the, the breed and how they've been bred and their genetics or it's past trauma or it's works for them because it's gotten the result they wanted before. Would it, there's always a good reason. And when we approach things from that perspective, there's that foundation of respect to build from. It's yeah. like, let me learn something new today. Oh, that speaks to me so much. We have a new puppy. She's 10 months, almost 11 months old. So we're still learning because, you know, her behavior is never really consistent. It'll be consistent for a month or two. And then something we're hit with like, oh, well, that's new. And um, it's been interesting with me just trying to figure out why she's doing what she's doing. And the most recent thing is on our walks, like suddenly over the past month, she is not really a fan of bicycles. And I... And walking her and I'm watching her body language and noticing that she's looking behind us and ahead and behind us and ahead. And she, as the the months have gone on, like this has been going on for, well, I should say weeks have gone on. She's walking closer to me. She used to walk ahead of me with her brother and they would just both walk ahead of me. But now she walks by my side. And I was just sort of like, it's got to be unnerving to be small and have this bicycle speed by you out of the blue. And even if you hear it from a distance, it comes so fast. And that's what she's doing is she's watching for this bicycle so she's not caught off guard again. But the second we turn around and head home, that's where she knows everything's going to be fine. And so she's like dragging me down the trail to get back to home. And when we get to a certain point, I make her stop and come to me and I'll let her off the leash and she can just run home. And then when she gets onto our property, it's so hilarious. She stops and waits for us because it's like, this is safe. This is where I am. But it's it's so interesting to me just to take the time to just have a better understanding instead of just like dragging her dra- down the trail or I'm going to bring a bunch of treats and just give you treats. I want to actually think about 
why this is a problem. Because then I can start working and maneuvering around it. So on today's walk, whenever a bicycle came, I was just cheering. I didn't care what people thought of me. I was cheering and celebrating and loving on her and petting her. And we had a really great walk. She was, there was no more like cowering onto the ground or anything like that. We had this really great walk and she didn't drag me home because it was more fun for her, but it was yay. So, oh, I like this. <laughs> so I, I think I had talked about this with you before, Shannon, that I had this really interesting session with an animal communicator one time, right when I first brought, we first adopted Nino. And like the first thing she said to me was, what's going on with his stomach? <laughs> and it turned out that he had eaten part of a car tire. Yeah. And we ended up having to have surgery to remove a blockage from his stomach. Like this had happened before, you know, he came to us that he had eaten this and it had been in his stomach for weeks, apparently. And so I've heard uh, other communicators talk about like a body scan and how they see and feel the body. Because, I mean, that was one of those times where my husband was still kind of like, I don't know about this whole communicator thing. And then we had that experience and he's like, okay, okay, they got me. There's something to this, you know, (laughs) because there there was no way that anybody could have known, possibly known that there was something going on, you know, with his stomach. We didn't even know. Um, So is is that something that you do in your practice? Or can you explain more about like how you are physically sensing what could be going on with an animal's health? Absolutely. That's a great question. And has to do with resonance. And Part of the, and and again, these shared pathways, you know, we share all these basic pathways in common. The body scan, it's what I call whole body listening with empathy, where I'm asking the animal, inviting the animal, if you're willing, can you use my body? Kind of like one of those, if you've ever watched these old, old classic movies where they had the old school prisons and there would be the inmate on one side of the glass with like an old school telephone. You pick up the receiver and then the visitor comes in and on the other side of the glass sits down, picks up the other telephone receiver and they can talk to one another. And that would be probably the best like visual analogy I could give you of the way that a body scan or physical body listening works. I'm asking the animal can you transmit, can you use my body as a, like a telephone receiver to show me physically what's going on in your body, anything? But, and it's not just for diagnosing medical conditions. It's for, again, learning how to, how, how to see life, how to feel life when you're a small dog on a trail and there's big, scary bicycle. I mean, that, that scares the crap out of me really (laughs) when bicycles come up behind you and it's like, you know, your dog, your puppy's never going to be able to turn that off Mm -hmm. per se. So, you know, finding, I love that you're so aware and you're not on your phone or you're, you know, listening to podcasts or whatever that you're actually tuned in and you're paying attention to what's going on in your dog's body. So that's a form of, 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 body scanning and body listening is to feel, I know my dog, and and it comes out in words, I know my dog is anxious right now. But truthfully, what's happening is your body is picking up anxiety symptoms from the shared resonance that you have through the bond that you have with with your dog, with your animal. And so I am temporarily 
establishing that shared resonance with the animal. Now, I'm only speaking for myself and how I do things. There are loads of different methods that are being practiced today. There's all kinds of ways that it, that it can happen. But um, as I very briefly touched on earlier, I unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, tend to be one of those communicators that does get a lot of physical and emotional symptoms. I actually flunked, and I tell this story with great pride now because I realized it was, it was a big learning moment for me, but I actually flunked my final exam in my formal animal communication training program because the dog I was assigned to talk with was so anxious that I, I went through an all-night panic attack because I was already tuned. I didn't understand about opening and closing channels. I didn't understand about energetic boundaries. I didn't, I just hadn't learned any, or, you know, maybe I had passing acquaintance with it, but I didn't understand implementation and how, and the stages that you go through to, to really set up a sacred space for these important deep conversations. And so I basically had an all night panic attack and was so nervous that I couldn't talk to the animal and their human on the test call that my instructor was listening in on. And then I unloaded on her because I was was just by then I was in a full-blown panic and only after I calmed down was she able to tell me you know Shannon the dog you were talking with was highly highly anxious that's why they wanted to have this session so we're doing this all the time you know whether it's with our human partners or with it where it's with our animals there's so much even a veterinary science that relies on body scanning because in 90 90% 90% 80 to 90% of the cases when a, a human comes in with their animal they probably aren't able to afford all of the testing that would be required to rule out every possible thing that the veterinarian thinks might match the symptoms that are being displayed and so even the veterinarian has to kind of go with their gut kind of well I think we should start here you know how how often have we heard that this is my best recommendation it's not like this is, okay, let me go to page 54 in the playbook and let's just test for this. And it's like, we can't do that. And so we're constantly tuning in. We're constantly trying to put two and two together on multiple levels. It's just, we're not aware of, of the, how the whole mechanism is working. I, I take my students through a visual guide as well as practice sessions and debriefing and Q and A's because they need to be able to actually see how the whole system, how our whole human system works together to avoid labeling any necessary and natural part of the system that's just doing its job as an obstacle or a problem that needs to be fixed or solved or gotten rid of. So you know, for me, it's, I, I go into every communication when it comes to the, the moment when I'm asking about how the animal feels in their physical body, or is there anything they want me to know, or they want their person to know about their physical body. I go in and I just invite the animal to show me anything. You know, there's some people that do it in a very systematic way. Okay. Start at your toes and scan up. Um, I, I just, I wait and see what comes. And now I've learned enough. I'll never forget talking to the dog that had on and off IBS. This was early when I was still doing my practice sessions for free. And I had IBS all night. 
before I talked to the dog because I didn't know. I just didn't know. So I've had all the symptoms where you feel, you know, vomitous or or highly anxious or enraged or or nauseated or whatever it is because that channel is always available. It's kind of like when you're turning your radio dial, you can stop at any station you want, any time you want. I just don't want to be on the IBS channel 24-7, and I certainly don't want to be on it even a minute before my session, my communication starts. So now I know I'm just not going to turn my dial to that channel until it's time. You know, I was just thinking of some just an interesting experience that I had had when my old gal Lucy was sick and she was having at the time these kind of like partial seizures and like collapsing incidents. And I'm just sort of chuckling to myself because our our vet at the time was trying to tell us it was a heart issue. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, like, no, I didn't know why. I just knew that wasn't right. And then they were like, well, we think she needs to have like a brain MRI or we, you know, it could be like a um, brain tumor. And I was like, nope, that's not it either. I didn't know what it was. I just, I'm just like, no, like I, I, I was feeling this, like, no, they're not getting it, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And so then they give me this, the medication that's like very common for epileptic patients. And I swear it was like, it burned my hand when they gave it to me. And I had never, ever experienced anything like this before. But during this time, I had gone through Reiki training. Mm-hmm. I had been attuned to levels one and two of Reiki because I was trying to help my Lucy. And I was never getting any words. I just had these different weird experiences. And I was like, I'm never giving my dog this medication. And I started reaching out and found another vet. And it was like over an hour away um, to go to this like holistic vet. And she ended up finding something through all of the blood work and the paperwork that we had already had done that is related to her blood sugar. And it was actually like this uh, cancer of like part of the pancreas that affects um, blood sugar levels. And so she had been having seizures because she had low blood sugar and that was what was causing these things. And so it was like everything that I had felt, every gut reaction that I had was all correct. And if I had given her that medication they gave me, it would have killed her because it was not the right medication for what she had going on. And it was just one of those times where I didn't even necessarily know that, like, I even believed or even knew if anything was really happening or, you know, I was like open to it, but like I was, I didn't know. And like that kind of experience really like, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm all in, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like I am in on this. And then we've only ever continued to have more and more experiences like that, um, either with ourselves and our experiences with our animals or with, you know, practitioners that we've worked with. So Kimberly, have you ever had anything like that? Yes, actually I have. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm very in tune with, with my, my dogs and my cat, but I think the first time I had an experience, it 
freaked me the hell out um, because it was very, very physical. And basically, it was when Rodrigo and Sydney were still puppies. Um, and I have these new little puppies. And I was working with an animal communicator at the time. And I don't even know why. I mean, I think it was for an article for my website. Um, but this was like, you know, over 10 years ago, um, probably about 12 years ago. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened. But I slept late one morning and um, our pup, when they were puppies, they were in a kennel together. And I had to get up so I can get them out, get them outside and all that. But one morning I slept late and I felt Rodrigo come into me, like sort of like, where are you? And it was such a physical thing that I shuddered away and immediately woke up. And was just like, oh, I need to go get the puppies. And then just ran down, got the puppies, got them outside and things like that. And didn't think much of it until I was talking to the animal communicator for the article. And she was like, oh, yeah, that, you know, can happen and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I didn't like that at all. Not (laughs) even a little bit. But I do think it's interesting when um, I've had situations where I just I need to go outside right now. Because, um, you know, something's up with the dogs. Like today, I took two of my dogs wear collars. And today I took their collars off of them. Because I was just like, you guys just get to wear collars when we go on walks. I'm going to put on regular collars because they do like to wear their collars. (laughs) But they can't wear the Martingale collars in the house anymore. Because there was just something, nothing happened. No one got hurt. But today... It just became where I just, you guys can't wear these in the house anymore. And I just go with, you know, I had the feeling, you know, uh, this is what I'm going to go with. And that's just going to be the rule. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to go with it because, you know, a lot of the things that I've done for my dogs, like when Scout had cancer, the choices that I made for my dogs that got him all that extra time that he had with me. You know, understanding when when Sydney was ready to go, when she was dying, she stayed for me. She stayed so that I was ready to let her go. And once it was, there was just one day where it was 100% clear that it's time. And I couldn't explain it to Johan at all. I mean, I'm try, I was trying to explain, but I just could not explain it to him. It was just, it just is. It's kind of like trying to explain why water is wet can't explain to you. I, it's, it's just wet. This is, you know, and, but I don't, I don't have the vocabulary to explain why water is wet. It's just is. And I've just learned to, when I have these feelings to, you know, I don't, I don't consider it um, woo woo. I just consider it as instinctual, the same as what you said earlier, Shannon, about, walk to work instead of taking the bus, like those type of things where there have been times when I've ignored myself. There was actually, there was a day where I I was scream. I had just this screaming feeling to call in sick today, to stay home today. And I ignored it. And my dog died that day. My dog was hit by a car. And that was something that because of that feeling, and I don't remember who I was talking, I was talking to a friend of mine 
about it. And she was just sort of like, don't ever ignore that again. When you get a screaming sensation, don't question it. Don't, you know, you know, just go with it. And again, something else that you said that I thought was really important, Shannon, was that all of this helps us be more confident with our pets because we second guess, and this is ridiculous. And, and because the woo does have, um, you know, I, it's not a stereotype, but it does have, you know, and people have like an opinion about it, you know, like, oh, it's not real. Or like you said, yeah, the media doesn't do you any favors when there are these shows of people giving, you know, celebrities, these psychic readings. And um, my partner is a retired cop. So one of my favorite shows is CSI Miami. <laughs> and um, when I, and I would watch it like all the time and he would be like this, that's not how it, I know. How it works. <laughs> that tool does not exist. Cause, and I would, and he would talk, tell me stories about how he would go to like a scene and like the people are like, well, can't, don't you have a machine that blah, 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 blah. And, and he's just like in his inside screaming, that is not real. I mean, no. We don't have that. And we were actually um, burglarized once and the CSI came and I was so excited to meet them. And I'm, I'm, I have CSI Miami in my head. It was just a cop that came by <laughs> with a little toolkit. And I'm just like, well, what are you, what are you doing with that? I mean, and, and Johan was just like, horrified because all of his colleagues are all around our house. And I'm just sitting here following this guy around, not understanding why he doesn't have all the stuff on the TV, despite the fact that he's told me millions of times that that doesn't exist. So I can only imagine that when you're watching television and you see these shows and you're just like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like angel stories. I have discovered that if I quietly ask someone, no matter how reserved or how non-woo or woo-averse they seem to be, if I will quietly ask someone, have you ever had an, ex- an angel experience? Most of the time that person will say yes. And then they'll say something like, but I never talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mention it. And the thing that we kind of forget because we live in this society of chronic, too much information and overexposure is that we don't have to tell anybody about it. We don't have to accept ourselves. We, we don't have it, it. It's not like we have to then go and confess, you know, and that's some of the cultural conditioning and the religious conditioning that, that, the generational memories that have literally changed our biology and have created these very artificial feelings of distress or guilt or doom. And when with these very natural processes that if we will only give them the benefit of a doubt, mm-hmm. most in almost every case they prove themselves in the outcome. Yeah. Don't have to say a word. Yeah. And when we have these big booming voice from the sky kind of experiences, like what each one of you has just shared with you, Aaron, with the medicine burning your hand and you, Kimberly, with this 
feeling of I need to stay home from work and we don't forget. Yeah. And this is, this tends to be these breakthrough moments that catch our attention and we can't forget because it's so far outside the realm of what our mind, our left brain, rational, logical mind understands because it can't access that level. It makes a great employee and a horrible boss. It has no inner GPS. So you, know, you just, it, it just goes by the map. And if, if the map, if the software hasn't been updated and it doesn't know that that new off ramp was put in or that that road no longer exists, we're screwed if that's our only tool. But, but we don't have to confess to anyone. We don't have to share it with anyone. We do need to, to listen and to take, take action, mm-hmm. however, and let it prove itself to us. And this is where we start to build our own self-trust. This is where one of the shows that I, I actually love for those of you who are listening and have Netflix, if it's still available, is Tyler Henry's, mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact title, but it's something like Beyond Death. Uh, and he, he talks about his process and shares uh, some of the methods that he uses to receive information. And it's it's very, you know, it it really you see this, he's developing this inner secret language with himself. And at one point in one of the episodes, I think it's a nine episode series, it's a short series. And he talks, he says to one of his clients, you know, I have learned over the years that when I feel, or I don't remember if he was seeing something or he was feeling or smelling something, but he said, when this happens, it, it means that because it had happened so many, many, many times that he now had a reliable inner lexicon to draw from. And I, I have the same thing where uh, when certain things happen during an intuitive communication, I just know. I know. And, you know, to be honest, the most powerful experience I've ever had of animal communication didn't happen with a non-human hand animal had happened with my father when he was in his transition and he was in a coma and he had not eaten or drunk for I think eight days at that point and eight or ten days and one night around three in the morning I woke up and it was very unusual that his door was closed we were all living here at my mom's house and I had moved temporarily moved in at that point and his door was always open and most of the time I was in there um, giving him Reiki and we were all in there, we even took naps in there. The dog was in there all the day. We were all in there all the time, but I woke up in the middle of the night and the door was closed. I really had to pee. So I was like, oh, should I open the door? Should I just go to the bathroom and go back to bed? Cause I was really, really tired. And something moved me to open the door. And when I opened the door, it was like, I was in the seventh layer of hell. I could see flames around his bed. I like see with my inner eye. I, he was in agony and through Reiki and intuitive communication, I was able to receive messages from him and learn that the medicine that they were giving him was burning his body. And he was able to tell me what, what needed to be done to ease it. And the whole thing happened in about, for me, about 15 minutes. And later my mom told me it took three and a half hours. 
and that I was speaking in a very different voice. I was speaking in a very robotic monotone. And my first sensation was I felt he, he transmitted everything that he was feeling. And I, I curled up on the floor. I just, I doubled over and I sank to the floor and I said, I'm going to vomit. My mom said, do you want a bucket? And I said, no, it's not me. It's dad. And so this is back when I was just starting to really learn what was possible. And I have, I have heard many stories since then of communicator, animal communicators using the same skill set to communicate successfully with nonverbal humans, whether autistic humans, humans that are in coma, humans that are, have had stroke and are immobilized. And so there's so much, there's so much here for us that's positive. You know, when we, we look at it from, from the, 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 the best case outcome, which is to grow in wisdom and learn to love better, to take better care of people, to take better care of ourselves, to take, to, to take better care, just take better care with everyone and everything. There's, there's, there's every reason to at least give our inner intuitive abilities a seat at the table a little bit of our time and attention. If it's something as simple, if you're listening right now and you're like, yeah, I don't have any extra time and attention. Thanks. Like this podcast is taken. You know, like just, you know, think of, think of some of the stories that we've shared. We've each shared about our own moments and start to allow those to awaken your awareness of yours. Cause you do have them. You do have them and they're there for a reason. They're there to, awaken a little bit more self-trust, a little bit more curiosity, a little bit more wonder. You know, instead of the next time your mind, your left brain mind is like, I'm going to sneak around the corner and do some more worrying. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe he won't notice. Encourage it instead to contemplate, what do I feel right now? And what, what is, what is the message that that feeling has for me? Where do I feel it in my body? The next time you catch your mind worrying and you don't know what to do or how to break through to find some clarity and calm, sit down for a moment, take a few deep breaths and, and, and feel where's the sensation in your body that's triggering the worry because there's a block there because you know what the answer is. And so there's like, when, there, when there's that worry and that concern, there's an inner argument going on. The breath gives you a moment. It just calms your body down, reminds you there's an, the saber-toothed tiger is nowhere to be found. He's, he's found lunch somewhere else. He's not going to sneak up and grab you. There's every, Right now in this moment, everything really is okay. And then you can say the word, I'm worried about, you know, my dog's food isn't, is giving indigestion. I should, or I will, and just say it, change the food, give it another try, reduce the portion, add some water. There's so many, uh, my intuitive teacher, Sonia Shuket encourages coming up with 19 or 39 or 99 solutions you know, always instead of getting gridlocked and it's either A or B, there's always a C and chances are good at D, E, F, G and feel, and, and feel your way, feel your way to it. 
if you if it is a heavy feeling, if it's oh yeah, I guess I should do that, but there's no joy in it. You're like, yeah, I guess I could try that next. Versus, this is it. This is the thing. I want to try this, or even the thing that you're a little afraid of, because there's an edge, there's a curiosity, there's a chance to make a new neural connection. Move that to the head of the line. Hmm. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such a great there's, so much, we, there's so much to us. We're actually quite wonderful creatures. We're just, we're just full of mysteries, especially even, I was going to say, even to ourselves, it's like, especially to ourselves. We're like one big cosmic mystery. Like, what the heck? And there's so much to be learned and explored. And you know what? If you're listening or you're watching right now and you're like, dang, I sure wish I had two amazing human friends that I could chat to about this stuff like the three of us have been doing tonight. Well, you know, the more you say yes to following your curiosity where it leads to meeting intuitive you, the more you will cross paths with those exact people. Yeah. So just, you know, just give yourself a little, and, and maybe, just like with those angel encounter stories, maybe there's a call for you to be the one to ask the question. Have you ever had an intuitive hunch? Have you ever had a, just had a vibe about something? And you might discover that the very people you thought were so close-minded or so anti-woo or so uninteresting and only talked about, you know, their digestion or what they're going to, you know, what they're going to do this weekend or whatever you might just find they're a lot more interesting than, than you thought they were. And they'll discover this. That's the best thing is they'll discover the same thing about you. And just give it a try and open up your world a little bit. And, and I, I have, I just have this, I have a really good feeling about this. <laughs> just that way. Oh my gosh, Shannon, we could talk to you all night. <laughs> the same way. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for the honor and the privilege. It's been a joy to be here. And I, I love, I absolutely love your hearts for your whole family, all species. And, and for spending, donating your free time, your personal time to help others, help their, help their families to feel better, to feel more trust, to enjoy each other more and to, to grow. I mean, I just, I go back to my late best friend, her favorite saying was uh, from Tara Brock and to grow in wisdom and learn to love better. And I've been thinking about that a lot recently and thinking, gosh, I can't think of any better use of a life than that. You know, I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. And we'll make sure to have links in the show notes for anybody who wants to find out more about you, find out more about how to work with you. I know you have your book, your blog, your podcast, so we'll have links to to all the things and we really appreciate you, Shannon. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Vice versa. Oh, my love.